0: Welcome to the Rob Burgess Show. I'm of course your host Rob Burgess. On this our 67th episode, our guest is Alexei Kovalev. Alexei Kovalev is a journalist and founder of the website The Noodle Remover, where he monitors the Russian media, teaches information literacy, and runs crowdsourced and crowd-funded investigations. He contributes to The Guardian, Wired, and The Washington Post, among other outlets, mostly writing about the media in Russia and how they handle both political pressure from above and convulsions of the free market from below. Kovalev has worked everywhere from daily local newspapers to independent magazines to state news agencies. Until recently, he was the news editor at the Moscow Times, one of the few remaining independent English language outlets in Russia. And now on to the show. Uh, well, I'm glad we finally got this uh, hooked up. Thanks so much for doing this. I appreciate it.
1: Okay, yeah. It's my it's my first day um, out in the free pastures. <laughs> uh, yeah, because the paper I used to work for, the Moscow Times, uh, just folded yesterday. When we had a far- farewell party.
0: Okay, well, so, I'm yeah. sorry to hear that, but yeah, at least you got to be back for the last day here. But um, yeah, what? Uh, go ahead and let everyone know uh, just to start out with uh, whatever you want them to know about you here. Uh, come again. Oh, uh, just introduce yourself okay. uh, to start yeah. off the podcast.
1: Okay. So, my name is Alexey Kovalev, uh, and I'm, I'm a journalist in Russia. I'm based in Moscow, uh, where I was born and have lived all, all my life, uh, with the exception of a few years that I spent in London. Uh, and, uh, well, I've, I've worked for every national publication you can think of, and I'm also contributing to the likes of The Guardian in the UK and The Washington Post. Uh, And I also have a project, uh, a pet project of mine uh, that's called The Noodle Remover. Uh, The name comes from a very colorful Russian expression which means to hang hang noodles on someone's ears means to intentionally deceive someone. So I'm... well Figuratively removing those noodles, so it's it's a fake fake news busting, and media literacy project.
0: Yeah, that's that's a very important work, especially these days, for sure. Um, so uh, I kind of caught you at first when you were uh, on a layover in uh, Denver. Uh, you yeah. were actually uh, in the United States just recently. What can you tell us about that trip that you just took here?
1: Okay, so I um, I think it was, it was a very unique experience. Uh, I got the, um, the the full America treatment. So I came for a very high-profile event in Aspen, the Aspen Ideas Festival, and on my way back to Moscow, uh, United Airlines, uh, my United flight from Aspen to Denver got delayed for three hours and uh, I lost all my connecting flights from uh, from Denver to Frankfurt and from Frankfurt back to Moscow. So I got stranded in in Denver for a full day, and uh, from uh, from Aspen, I got shuttled uh, to the Denver suburb suburb of Aurora, uh, which is a very different place from Aspen, and then I spent a day day in in downtown Denver, and it was a very illuminating experience.
0: Yeah, there was a uh, protest going on that day. Uh, what was the protest, uh, kind of the focus of it?
1: Um, it's interesting because it, uh, originally it was called um, something like uh, uh, the March for the Free Press. And then for some reason it got renamed into um, just um, March for Impeachment. Oh. Um, imp- <laughs> Im- impeachment March. Uh, <laughs> well, the, the first one sounded more enticing because, well, I'm the Free Press. Um, <laughs> yeah. Uh, <laughs> I that. Uh, well, I, I want to, to, to check it out because uh, well I'm going to a lot of uh, I um I'm going to a lot of protests in Russia, to cover them, um because there's a lot of uh, protest activity going on right now in Russia, and also mm-hmm. because I well well I'm generally interested interested in the protest movements around the world, um. What drives them? How do authorities respond to them? I went to protest in, uh, in the UK, in London, where I also lived for three years. Uh, well, so I have some material to compare. Well, it was, it was very illuminating. I mean, there's, uh, there's so many things that unite us and so many things that would, be, that, that would seem really baffling to a lot of Russians who are coming out to, uh, to protest.
0: What were the things that you think Russians would be surprised by?
1: Um, the first thing I noticed was the it was the commercial part of it. I mean, the the, the, the whole it, it's it's I think it's the entrepreneurial side of uh, of American life and psyche. Uh, you guys turn everything into a, a highly efficient business. <laughs> <laughs> so. The, literally the first people i saw in uh, civic center park in denver were people selling t-shirts and buttons uh there's a certain point that's in in every subculture when uh, when people uh it stops being just a fun, uh just a way to spend some free time for them they are starting to um well, it's, it becomes a, a way of life for them. Um, they are literally doing nothing else than uh, uh, they, they're doing it for a living. So, I was in um, uh, in my uh, in my very early youth, in my early twenties. I was into like techno festivals. So, but I would just go there for for a weekend to uh, to a field somewhere to just dance to some. Uh, uh latest tunes but i noticed there were people there uh really into it they were literally living in that in the, in the, in a subculture uh they were doing nothing else but uh, you know preparing those festivals uh selling merchandise uh etc and that's what i that's what i saw in downtown denver all of the well maybe a couple of hundred people at best who uh bothered to turn up were Shall I call them professional
0: activists? They look like uh, people that had been to a protest before, possibly.
1: Uh, well, it, people people who probably do nothing else <laughs> <laughs> than protest. They were, uh-huh. yeah, yeah. I met people who were. Uh, there were there was this stall selling buttons, um, and a couple uh, attending that stall told me that. We own a button machine. That's how we make a living. So that's they, they do nothing else. They—they they make but they make anti-Trump buttons and sell them at anti-Trump protests.
0: Mm.
1: So it's a, it's an industry. It's at uh, the uh, anti-Trump protests are an industry now, employing right. employing what seems like uh, hundreds of thousands of people. Um, uh, so yeah that that was very unusual because we don't have that kind of thing and uh, you know, we, we do have people like printing uh custom uh t shirts for a protest but that's mm-hmm. a very one time thing it's like people crowdfunding to uh uh to print uh, uh like a couple of dozen of t shirts uh-huh. yeah but that that is something very that that is something very unusual um and also what what was also very um uh what would be also very baffling to uh, to a Russian uh protester was that I there was a protest and there was a counter protest. Like people pro Trump people. Mm-hmm. Uh, what I'm struggling to explain to my Russian peers is that both groups seem to hate the American government in equal measure. And both groups had the same supporting arguments for it. Like the same, ar- the, uh, the same quote from the Declaration of Independence. Like literally the same people standing across each other, across the police line, and uh, shouting abuse at each other. But on the placards, there was the same uh, uh, well, it was basically both, both of the both, uh, each side's slogans uh, were effectively screw the government. We hate the government. We need to overthrow the government. And that is something that's, that would be really hard to explain. Um, because, well, so what are you guys ex- arguing about exactly? <laughs> <laughs>
0: Well, I think each side probably wants to have ownership over the, you know, the founding fathers or whatever, mm-hmm. so I'm sure that that was part of it. You know, everybody wants that, you know, street cred from the mm-hmm. original uh, founders or whatever, so yeah, I can see that. <laughs> yeah, okay. maybe that also was a a
1: Denver thing.
0: But, oh, yeah, maybe. Mm-hmm. But
1: <laughs> both, both sides uh, seem to know each other pretty well.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Like, in other circumstances, they would be good friends, like, right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. Because uh, there was one guy from uh, um, I, uh, I went. I, I went to each side to talk to them. To uh, I, I asked them to explain their position, like what they're demonstrating for and against. Yeah, they were really accommodating. And you, you know, another thing that really struck me. Uh, so the anti-Trump protesters, and that, and that is my message. That is my message to the American people. Uh, If you're trying to make a point uh, about Donald Trump's uh, alleged uh, collusion with Russia, please do not Google translate English into Russian.
0: (laughs) Well, I was going to ask you about this because I know this is a pet peeve of yours when people do these fake acrylic. What what's some of the do these things like mean anything when you see them in Russian or is it just gobbledygook is it just nothing
1: No, it's it's just gibberish. It's just uh, Uh random. uh, You know, Google Translate is really bad at 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 translating English into Russian because English and Russian are different languages. Mm -hmm. um, English is far easier for a Russian to 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 learn than vice versa. So that really just looked like random Russian words arranged (laughs) in no particular order. So if if you're trying to make a point, well, I'm sure there are uh, a lot of Russian speakers in Denver and in many American cities as well.
0: Mm-hmm. So
1: uh, if you're so convinced that that's the only way to make a point, uh, well, ask a Russian friend to help you.
0: <laughs> uh, <laughs> they, could probably, they could probably give you the actual translation, you know, and well, then it might uh, actually say something. <laughs> well,
1: yeah, and also, uh, also, uh, make America great again. There is no way. Uh, there is no elegant way to translate it into Russian, even if you were, mm-hmm. even if you hire professional translator.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, but uh, what I found was that people didn't really care much about Russia in general. I asked. I asked a woman who was holding a, that placard with a with some uh, 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 random Russian words. I'm sorry, but that doesn't. I'm Russian, and that doesn't mean any, anything to me. And she didn't seem to care at all. <laughs> she said, but I, at least I tried. I, <laughs> <laughs> well, I, 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 I offered her my help. I, I, I told her... Oh uh, do you want me... I have a marker, uh, I have a magic pen, do you want me to correct that? I can make a decent translation into Russian for you. But no, she didn't care. So right. um, uh, one thing that uh, another thing that uh, struck me is that it could be any country, uh, but Russia is just uh, an easy target, I guess. I don't know, but people mm-hmm. don't really people don't really care about Russia. Uh, mm-hmm. It's just uh, it's just a way to get to uh, to the opponents. I, I don't know to to get a a Trump.
0: He didn't mm-hmm. seem to.
1: I I. I, I don't think that's a very effective tactics.
0: Right. Well, know. I'm sure when they're when they're referring to Russia, they don't actually mean all the people that live there in the giant, you know, country there. I'm sure mm. they're just talking about a few select people, and they think that equals Russia in their minds. Mm. So it's like, why do I need to understand all these other people? I'm focused on this little bit, and I'll call that Russia. You know?
1: Well, yeah. <laughs> well, I'd say it's a bit disappointing, and. Um, Well, uh, there's been a lot of really great uh, coverage uh, from Russia, both from uh, uh, the Moscow-based bureaus and uh, uh, publications like the Moscow Times, which I was working for until uh, yesterday. But it's really disheartening to see that nobody bothered to read any of that. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Uh, Because people... (laughs) Uh, even people in the media are, um, are so ignorant about the country that there isn't really an enigma at all. I mean, Russia mm. is, is pretty accessible and, and well documented. It's not—it's mm. not, it's not en- ancient Burma. Or, uh, <laughs> right. Yeah, there's a lot of uh, uh, great studies and uh, r- reports coming out of Russia. It's just so disheartening to see that nobody. Bothers to read them,
0: <laughs> right? Right. Um, now there has been a lot of uh, protests in Russia. Seems like in the last couple months here, uh, and that's of course coming up on the presidential election this year. Is that right? Uh, no, the presidential election next on, year. Next year. Ne-
1: year, ne- so. next year yeah. Um, yeah. And uh, well, this, a lot of things have, have happened since 2011, when the first well, really massive protests. Broke out across Russia, uh, and uh, well, it's a very, it's a very different environment. Uh, America, uh, the United States, and Russia. It's a very different political environment, and I've, I'm often asked for, for an advice to my American colleagues, like how did, uh, what should we do with this, uh, w- w- with this administration uh, that's so hostile to the media. But the funny thing is that I was on a panel and asked ideas. Uh and the theme was um uh what was it well, okay, so uh the general theme was the difficulties of operating as a media professional under this administration. And after a while everyone on the panel agreed that it's the most exciting time to be a journalist in America. <laughs> and uh moreover, this is the most accessible Administration—they've uh, th- th- seen in many years, like Obama's administration was watertight. You can not get uh, no leaks, no comments, just uh, you know, uh, prearranged statements uh, from a press secretary, and that's all. But it's really the most exciting time to cover that, uh, to, to be a journalist to, co- co- to be covering the Trump administration. Uh, mm-hmm. So it's it's, it's very different different in Russia, of course, because we are under both commercial and political pressure and uh, the same thing... Uh, uh, well, it's, a, it's pretty much the same thing with, with protests now because uh, uh, what, what's happening with protests now in Russia and I'm, I'm watching it f- unfold in real time uh, on, on my Twitter feed right now uh, the big, biggest protest movement concentrated around a single figure, uh, the opposition leader Alexei Navalny
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Uh whom you've probably heard about if you google Russian opposition that's the first yeah. thing mm-hmm. that's the first the first name that will pop up uh his um his campaign headquarters in Moscow is now being besieged by uh, by policemen mm. uh, that uh just seizing everything they can uh, get a hold of and they're just blocking the entrance to to, to the office without mm-hmm. any legal uh without any legal pretense and they're also being choked out of their lifelines, like they cannot print any any leaflets or campaign newspapers, because uh, the few remaining printing shops that are, that accept their orders, and they have they 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 run a crowdfunding campaign, like people are uh, their supporters across Russia are donating money to the campaign, uh, but they cannot spend that money because the few remaining printing printing shops, for example, that accept Their orders uh, will then refuse to deliver the orders because uh, uh, they get a call from uh, uh, security services uh, in that town, or, for example, uh, you know they they need to rent a a headquarters in a certain uh, in in certain town, but nobody Mm. will rent. Nobody will rent them the office. So there's a lot of it's obviously it's obviously illegal. Mm. Uh, and uh, well, it's obviously political, but uh, because most of the media in Russia are either directly owned by the state. Like, I used to work for uh, a state news agency, I was a senior editor at uh, a state news agency. It was a state owned, state funded, uh, 100% state funded uh, public news publication. Uh, It was a news agency uh, Mm -hmm. uh, operating as a news wire, providing services to other media organizations, as a news website, etc. And most of the it was a uh, it was a state enterprise, and the most popular uh, TV networks in Russia, covering about seventy percent. serving as the as a primary or only news source for about 70% of all Russians are state owned and state controlled. Mm-hmm. They're very tight they're very tightly and rigidly controlled. Uh directly from Putin's administration. Mm-hmm. So there, there's a guy in Putin's administration, uh he's a deputy chief of staff, who can call any uh uh editor in chief of any TV network. Uh and order a complete media blackout on certain topics like uh, the opposition movements or uh, <coughs> uh, protest rallies and demonstrations. Like he, he literally can call them the guy next sitting next to Putin can, can call an editor-in-chief of a major TV network in Russia and tell them uh, not to cover the protest movement at all. And there will be mm. no, and, and there will be no mention of it. Uh, you know, yeah until they lift the ban. Mm-hmm. so that this is how it works and it's it, and it's very different I can't imagine uh, anything remotely like that happening uh, even uh, uh, late into trump's administration unless he somehow uh, the full by bi- uh, bipartisan support manages to completely dismantle the foundations of American democracy mm-hmm. uh, so yeah there's n- there's really not much in common between the United States and Russia now.
0: right right well the reason I first became aware of your your work here was that medium essay you did uh, message to my doomed colleagues in the American media um, It just I really opened my eyes I didn't know anything about what you had been talking about uh, can you describe just kinda of give a general overview of, of the Putin press conferences and the, the signs people hold up and they're like four hours long, and he doesn't really answer the questions. And he'll answer like a specific local question for a really long time. And yeah, just just if you could just give an overview of that for people.
1: Oh yeah, I'm 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 really waiting. I'm looking really looking forward to the f- uh, uh, first joint Donald Trump Vladimir Putin press conference.
0: Yeah, I was gonna say tomorrow. It's it's uh, the big day.
1: <laughs> oh, oh yeah, oh yeah, because uh, this guy is an expert. I don't think there's another. I don't think there's another. So media savvy uh, leader in the world because he's been at it for 18 years now, mm-hmm. uh, an unbroken record of bullshitting the media uh, for 18 years. Uh, so yeah, he he knows the game uh, and uh, he's a master manipulator, and where he uh, cannot, uh, you know, coerce you. Or force you to, to do or say something, uh, he will manipulate you into it, into doing that. Uh, mm-hmm. So he, he's um, so there are two two uh, different genres uh, that uh, Putin enjoys. Uh, so he has two t- two biggest media events in Russia. Uh, one in the spring, in late spring, uh, it's called the direct line with, with Vladimir Putin. And this is like um, a televised phone-in, like the kind of thing that uh, 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 Fidel Castro or uh, you know uh, uh, Hugo Hugo Chavez used to do. Like people, like ordinary people, are phoning in uh, and uh, asking the president the most their most pressing questions. Mm -hmm. (coughs) So he has a. Uh, opportunity to shine as a you know omnipotent and uh, omniscient leader who can answer any question without thinking uh, and he can fix any problem in the country like, really, there are, uh, and it also lasts uh, like for, for about four to five hours. It is, of course, a t- very tightly choreographed event and it's a tele- televised live across all uh, major national TV networks. Uh, but the other one uh, is uh, where he's fielding questions from the media professionals. So mm-hmm. it's, it's, it's a press conference. And it's held uh, very late in the year, and it's not getting much attention around the world, because it's happening uh, traditionally around the 25th of uh, December. Mm-hmm. Uh, which is uh, when most of the West celebrates Christmas, of course, and uh, you know everyone's on holiday, except the most unlucky uh, reporters assigned to, uh, yeah, in, in the, in right. the bure- bureaus around the world. Uh, but uh, you know Orthodox Russians celebrate Christmas on the seventh of January, so uh, mm. yeah. Uh, so we don't have a, a; it's not a national holiday for us. It's uh, just the opposite. It's the busiest it's it's week of the year. Especially, especially for media people like me, and um, yeah, it also typically lasts for four to five hours, and uh, there are questions from very like the quality and the content of questions varies wildly. So you have Mm -hmm. people from uh, uh, from a uh, from a village deep in the Russian provinces uh, where a local newspaper is asking Putin. Uh, why why don't their local governor fix their potholes in the road and mm-hmm. uh, you have uh, people from the BBC and the New York Times asking really tough questions like they like the, 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 there's a very um, there's a com- very common misconception with people interviewing Putin mm-hmm. uh, in that people are still convinced that you can still quarter him or you know, make him admit an inconsistency with his earlier statements, and uh, you'll have your gotcha moment. Uh-huh. No, that, that that never happens. Uh, this guy is a professional bullshitter, <laughs> uh, <laughs> and the only thing you, the only thing you'll achieve is a uh, ammunition for the Russian propaganda, who will uh, then parade you uh, as a stupid foreigner. Who asked a stupid question to our all-knowing leader? Who wisely and uh, calmly fielded the provocation. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. So yeah, that's uh, yeah, and uh, a mainstay of those press conferences, if you look at the footage, uh, is that because there it lasts for four hours, uh, but there are about fifteen hundred reporters in in the room. So you have, um, out of those, about seventy or eighty will get a chance to ask the question. Um, So the MC at those uh, Putin's press conferences, his uh, is his uh, press officer, Dmitry Peskov, the guy with the sandy mustache.
0: Oh yeah. (laughs)
1: Yeah. Uh, So uh, he's the MC, and he gets to pick the uh, the questions. Uh, so your your only chance, you know, just just simply raising your hands will will not be enough, because there will be uh, f- uh, fifteen hundred other reporters also vying for attention. So what you have to do is that uh, is bring a very colorful uh, placard, a sign, uh, to draw attention to, to to yourself, to your question, to your region, to your specific issue, etc. So you you'll have. Uh, uh, what, when Putin uh, is finished answering a question, there's like a a wave, a sea of those signs and placards uh, is going up, and some people even bring stuffed toys, uh, just anything to get the attention.
0: <laughs> right. <laughs>
1: the, uh, uh, so uh, it's a really it's it's really a surreal sign, and uh, and it's and there's no no point. Covering it at all, or going there, or asking the question, because you'll never get the answer you're hoping for. But you will be a prop in this propaganda theater. Mm-hmm. And uh, no major policy announcement are ever, uh, made at these press conferences because it's not the, the the time and place for them. It's not how you know major thing, major policy changes are announced in Russia. Uh, it's a it's a theater, and anyone who goes mm-hmm. there is willingly participating in it and uh you 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 really don't have to do that and i've uh i'm also i'm watching the debate around the uh people uh you know if you are expelled from the white House pool or if you're not allowed to film the uh, Sean Spire's daily briefing the weekly briefings what mm-hmm. you know what in you know in russia people assign people attached to the Kremlin pool are you know their dispatches. The dispatches are the least interesting and informative. You mm-hmm. really don't have to do that because, you uh, know, the most important, you'll never get anything on record. And mm-hmm. uh, what you will get on record uh, is never anything that matters.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Uh, so you really don't have to do that, but you feel compelled to because everybody else is doing that. Right. Yeah so it's a, as a news organization it's a, it's very you know every every time that happens to to uh, two times every year in the late spring and in the late December uh, most newsrooms across Russia uh, are paralyzed uh, mm-hmm. there are there are really important matters to cover but every is just glued to them uh, to the screens watching the uh, putin's uh, biannual uh, uh well show off
0: right well that's you what know, I was, so was going to ask you with the with Sean Spicer thing so you don't see that as quite as worrying as cuz I, I we see that and that's that's definitely a change from before but you're saying that you know maybe you don't get the best information from these kind of you know staged events anyway so it's not really the place to do your reporting in the first place so
1: well you can make a pre- well you can make a point of course and you can just switch your camera mm-hmm. on and keep filming yeah. And they, expel, and they will expel. And they will expel you. And they will. Mm-hmm. Uh, and well, so what then? Mm-hmm. Uh, this uh, well, of course, it's a uh, well. That that's of course, how they do that? They they take. They don't just cut your lifeline or uh, just all at a time, all, all at one time. They take it little by little. They cut your uh, uh, first. Uh, first, they take away your privileges. Uh, v- uh, one by one, and then your liberties and and your rights, uh, guaranteed by the. Uh, I don't know what guaran. Well, in, in in the states, uh, it's the freedom. of... Uh, it's, it's the First Amendment that guarantees the uh, uh, the freedom of speech and the freedom of media. But in Russia, it's the um, it's the Constitution and the media law, which of course at this point they're not worth the paper they printed on. Mm. Uh, but they. 't take an, don't take them all away all at once they start taking yeah. them away little by little like first they uh, start to regulate your well there's yeah there's one there's one, there's one thing there's um. Uh, and that's what I that's what I see happening in uh, in the states uh, is that access stops being an, uh, a right it becomes a privilege. It's uh creating those artificial scarcities like uh they can intentionally uh put a hundred reporters in r- in a room designed for seventy for example mm. so that there's a scramble uh among the reporters between themselves like uh that uh, they have to fight among them amongst themselves for 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 access for for chairs and for uh very limited time with the microphone, etc. Mm-hmm.
0: Um, yeah.
1: So I have no um, well, because I don't really I'm I'm not a constitutional expert. Uh, so I don't really know what what what, what, what kind of advice can I uh, can I give you guys? Uh, how can you? Well, well, of course you can. You you have a lot uh, far more uh, opportunities to fight for your rights and to just dispute. Uh, the violation of those of those rights in court Uh, because we don't (laughs) Uh Uh, because we in Russia we really don't have the uh, separation of powers.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: In Russia all of the powers are are concentrated in the executive branch and all others are uh, completely subservient to executive. Mm
0: So and now, yeah, when yeah, when, uh, when Putin first became in the office here, uh, how quick was the change? You're kind of talking about things happening gradually. Uh, what was the media environment like when he took office, and then how did that change, uh, in your view? Uh,
1: okay, so uh, what started happening in literally the first year of Putin's uh, Putin in office is that um, news outlets. Uh, previously very independent and critical towards the uh, the, the president and the government um, have started and that's uh, and that's a still uh, that's a still an ongoing process uh, there's like um, there's a thing uh, that I'm not sure there is a correct way to describe it in English but I do hope that you'll never have to experience it in a way that it's it's a hostile takeover of newsroom of newsrooms across Russia by loyalist editorial teams. So the first thing that happened in the first year of Putin's presidency is that they took away an independent TV channel from the owners, and that was like a star team of reporters and editors working for the TV channel that were. Extremely crit- critical first towards uh, Yeltsin, the uh, Vladimir Putin's predecessor, who appointed who appointed him at first as prime minister and then as uh, as his uh, successor in presidency. Uh, so the first thing Putin did, because he understood perfectly the power of the media, that helped uh, catapult a very unpopular president in 1996, Boris Yeltsin, whose uh, whose ratings were in the si- single digits. Uh, and the same media helped uh, catapult Yeltsin to uh, his second term. Uh, so Putin perfectly understands the power of television, especially in and, and the media in general. So the first thing he did, like in his first year of presidency, uh, he replaced uh, the, the 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 editorial team of this uh, critical TV channel uh, with, with loyalists. And that's it. Uh, and that's been happening for uh, seventeen years now. And that's happened to uh, a few of the places I w- I used to work for. For example, I used to work for uh, for a state news media organization, mm-hmm. and uh, despite the fact that we were completely uh, state owned and state funded, we enj- we enjoyed a great deal of uh, editorial independence. But mm-hmm. that didn't, that didn't last long, and uh, in December two thousand thirteen, the same thing that happened. 13 years before happened to us. Like overnight, the leadership uh, was uh, the 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 entire executive branch of the news organization was fired and replaced with uh, with very vocal and vitriolic Putin loyalists. So that's what what's that's what's been happening with both TV channels. And then in the late uh, 2000s, with the independent news websites, well, mm. that's how it's been happening. Right. But right. I don't think that. Well, I again, I don't think anything like that can happen in in, in the states, unless, for example, there's a, a a massively rich and influential owner of a media business suddenly wants to be uh, on the good side with the administration. So, uh, I don't know, you mean maybe, like
0: You you mean like Fox News? <laughs>
1: um. Well, not not quite. Like think not of like. Uh, well, Fox News is is already extremely friendly, so mm-hmm. they don't have to. They they don't have to. Uh, you know the, Trump's administration doesn't have to coerce Fox into covering. <coughs> the president in a positive way. True. But think think for example like. Um. Well let's say Jeff Bezos mm-hmm. uh, he wants some concessions from the uh, for, 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 from the president's office and he agrees to pressure uh, the Washington Post uh, uh, editorial team into well at first from uh, refraining from criticizing the president too harshly well, the editor-in chief of the and the owner and probably uh, come to some sort of an agreement well i'm only uh, i'm not watching uh, as closely as i probably should be <coughs> but i don't know if that's uh, if that's entirely possible but that 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 surely would be a, um a warning sign to look out for
0: mm-hmm.
1: and generally uh, there's always there even if um uh, you guys don't have to, so many opportunities for political pressure in the media as we do in Russia. There's always the commercial pressure. For example, uh, you know, Trump-friendly businesses can uh, refuse to uh, buy ads uh, mm-hmm. uh, from uh, you know publications that are critical uh, towards Trump.
0: Will, will
1: ch- that will that will surely choke them choke them out of a lot li- out of a vital source of uh, revenue. The th- that, that's been happening in Russia as well. I mean, may, uh, ju- uh, just a month ago, an independent uh, magazine had to shut down the print uh, run because the, all, all of the advertisers... Yeah, the, the, uh, that, that's what's happening in Russia as well. Uh, a lot of Western businesses are uh, making billions of uh, dollars in Russia and they want to be on the good side with the, uh, with the President. Mm-hmm. Uh, so they will refuse to advertise in uh, uh, in publications that are critical towards Putin. Mm-hmm. And, that, and that's what killed dozens of different independent uh, magazines and websites in Russia. Just to, just one of them uh, closed down the print run uh, just last month.
0: Right. Right. Uh, now, uh, I know a lot of Russian journalists have been uh, actually just killed, and I've seen some poisonings that have happened, of course, uh, you know, the, the famous examples that we've seen. Uh, have you yourself been afraid for your own safety, being somebody that's kind of outspoken to what you are?
1: Um, not really, no. Because, yeah, it's, uh, it, it's difficult and dangerous to be a journalist in Russia, uh, but we, not, uh, we have not yet reached the uh, Turkey level. Like Turkey and mm-hmm. Venezuela, Venezuela not. We're not there yet. I hope, and I hope that we'll never get there. Uh, but um, it's not, you know, it's not the, uh, um, it's not the fear of being. Uh, it's not that I fear being killed or uh, or assaulted. Uh, I'm not. I'm really not that important. And uh, the things that I'm saying out loud, and I'm writing about, they are well, generally public, no- general knowledge. Everybody, everybody, uh, mm, well knows or uh, already suspects uh, the things I'm, I'm writing about are happening. So, well, hopefully, well, I I like to think that I'm just too public uh, mm-hmm. to, to be any imminent danger. But it's the um, it's the sense of impending doom. That uh, eats away at your determination.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Uh, it's not even, you know, it's not even the fear of uh, being assaulted or, or murdered. It's, uh, it's like, uh, um, I have a family. I have, uh, I have kids, uh, mm-hmm. and, and uh, what I fear most is that I, I won't be able to provide for my family.
0: Mm-hmm. Because,
1: uh, uh I work? I've worked for. Uh, maybe a dozen at this point uh, of publications that have closed down due to financial difficulties, because they've been starved out of uh, uh, ad revenue, for example. Mm-hmm. And that's the, it's the fact it's it's this it's this uh, sense of hopelessness that is uh, well really chipping away. Uh, and uh, it's not like uh, you fear that you you will come out of your. Uh, House one day and you will be assaulted by a man with an iron rod, uh, mm. which which did which did happen uh, to one one of my colleagues. Uh, mm. he, his name is Alek Kashin and uh, he writes for the New York Times uh, every once in a while. Uh, and that didn't really have anything to do with his coverage. It was an offhand comment uh, on a social media. Uh, uh, website LiveJournal.com, which is really popular in Russia. Uh, so he he, had, uh, he made a, uh, 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 a disparaging remark about a provincial governor in Russia,
0: mm.
1: and uh, very uh, in, a, in, a, in a few months he was beaten almost to death uh, by people with iron rods. They, oh wow! Yeah, they broke his jaw and they intentionally broke his fingers. Ooh. yeah so uh, he had to have one of his fingers amputated
0: what?
1: yeah so that's a uh, uh this you're 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 really not in danger if you're for example criticizing putin because anyone can criticize putin and he because it doesn't really uh he, he doesn't really care because he he's uh-huh. uh uh he's going to be president uh, again um, next year whether you're criticizing him or not but it's, uh, Are you
0: making a prediction that he's going to be president? He's going to win the next election. <laughs> uh, well,
1: he doesn't have he, he, uh, He's not even going to compete. I mean, uh, uh-huh. uh, he choos- he literally chooses his opponents.
0: Right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah.
1: But, uh, <laughs> it's like uh, if you're uh, I don't know if you're playing football and you're uh, picking your uh, your uh, your opposing team yourself.
0: Yeah. Like. Mm-hmm. Uh,
1: this guy, but, uh, this guy has a limp.
0: Uh, yeah, and, uh, this, this <laughs> let's guy, put him on the field. Yeah, yeah this, guy,
1: this, guy, this guy is overweight, and this, uh-huh. this guy is 80 years old. Uh, <laughs> well, and, and that's, what it, that's what it's like. I mean, right. put, uh, at every single election, all of Putin's opponents are leaders of the so-called opposition parties in the parliament, which is a rubber stamp parliament. That do uh, mm. only exist to rubber stamp every bill that Putin's administration gives them. Mm-hmm. It's the guys who have been uh, leaders of the same parties, competing in the same parliamentary and presidential elections since uh, nineteen eighty nine.
0: Mm.
1: It's the same people. Wow. Most of them are very late into their seventies now.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: So you, you can you can. You can guess how this goes every
0: time. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Now, what's the kind of general feeling among the Russian people about America these days? I'm sure they're getting a healthy dose of, uh, you know, the, the, the state-run media uh, view of it. But what's kind of on the ground? What do people say to each other about America there?
1: Well, people are not really saying anything about America, really, because they they uh, really have other more far more <laughs> pressing issues, like uh, you know the diminishing wages and uh, for, uh, uh, and ra- ra- uh, raising taxes and uh, that sort of thing. Uh, although it's a, it, 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 of course there's a huge discrepancy because what people actually need to know and what the Russian television tells tells them, uh, because there's a and there's a growing just dis- uh, th- there's a growing sense uh, uh, even among the uh, Putin loyalists uh, that. The Russian television is unnaturally skewed towards covering what's happening in America, what's happening in the mm. United States, instead of covering right. what's uh, what really matters for Russians. Because if mm. you if you watch the uh, uh, as I do, uh, the Russian state TV, uh, especially in the run-up uh, to the uh, November 2016 elections in the states, uh, and the first. Few months of the Trump presidency, uh, they would sometimes. Okay, so there, there's a there's a, there's, a, there's, a, there's a, this special genre on Russian TV. It's a, a summary news show on Sunday, every Sunday at uh, 8 p.m. There's a two-hour news summary and commentary show, hosted hosted by a very uh, famous journalist. So. In the run-up to the, to the uh, United States presidential elections and in the first few months of the presidency uh, they would sometimes dedicate as much as uh, one-fourth of the entire uh, two-hour uh, news segment to covering Trump. Mm. So, I, uh, I, I, I did actually once uh, measure it with a, with a stopwatch. So a week before the parliamentary elections in Russia, supposedly the second most important elections in Russia, mm-hmm. uh, they spent more time uh, discussing whether Trump, was, whether Donald Trump, uh, still a candidate, uh, was going to be assassinated by the FBI uh, than covering the elections in Russia.
0: Mm.
1: Yeah, and uh, there's what? Yeah, there's one thing that uh, <coughs> one. Another point that I, uh, another point I wanted to make. There's a lot of talk about uh, you know fake news coming out of Russia, uh, which have supposedly influenced the election results, right? Mm-hmm. Um, one thing I can tell you for sure is that the Russian TV, uh, Russian television, has regurgitated American-made fake news far more often uh, than I'd seen than I ever seen you know American news outlets. Uh, picking up fake news from Russia huh. yeah I mean everything you can think of like uh uh pizza uh mm. uh Hillary's a murderer uh right. she's she's unfit to govern uh oh. everything every single one of those uh picked up from the so-called sterical websites uh you know well, kind of the like kind of the onion uh mm. but le- less subtle
0: right yeah <laughs> right uh like wars. <laughs> yeah well
1: that, well something in between like there's a like there's a whole like the, mm. there's a whole strain of the so-called circular websites uh, that are just basically fake news that exists for no, no for no, right. no 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 mm. other reason than uh, just uh, click clickbaiting people into uh, clicking on a headline about you know Hillary uh, being mm. a ringmaster for a pedophile ring something like that yeah um, right, right. Uh, so yeah, but a lot of uh, Russian uh, national TV networks recycled those, as, as uh, reported those as fact. Oh wow! Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, so here the that, the dynamics is actually uh, is reversed. So Russians consumed a, lot of, a a far, a lot more American-made oh, man. Uh, fake news about the elections than otherwise.
0: It was it was us the whole time. We didn't even know. <laughs> <laughs>
1: yes. But yes, and there's a uh there's a uh there there's a very small but very vocal TV channel in Russia. It's a it's so it's it's so close to Fox News and there's a it's no surprise because the one of the year executive is a one of their one of their founders is a former Fox News executive.
0: Oh wow!
1: Yeah, so it's a it, it's a right wing religious uh, TV channel mm-hmm. <coughs> promoting extreme Russian nationalism and uh, extreme version of Russian Orthodoxy, that sort of thing. Um, and one of their uh, ex uh, hosts, a very famous guy called Alexander Dugin, um, he used to hold this regular. What used to be called in uh, late Soviet times the space bridges. Hmm. Uh, so there's something that uh, that's a very um, that's a that's a very famous thing that is in the late perestroika times, like in the, in the late eighties in the Soviet Union,
0: mm-hmm.
1: <coughs> when a very famous television personality Vladimir Pozner, uh, and he would sit in, uh, in a studio in Moscow, uh, and in New York. Um, that would be Phil Donahue, uh, and they would be sitting in studios across the, and, and uh, b- both uh, events would be uh, live televised, uh, both in Russia, both in the Soviet Union, in the United States, and there would like uh, there would be like famous journalists in the studio from the Soviet Union and from the United States, uh, like regular people, and they would be asking questions to each other and uh, uh, explaining things about their countries to each other. Mm-hmm. <coughs> there was something very extremely famous. Like it, it was the first time America opened up to the Soviet Union in the late '80s, in the prehistoric times. Mm-hmm. Uh, so these two extreme right-wing uh, religious nuts um, in the states in Amer- uh, and in Russia attempted to replicate that. Uh, so you had Alex Jones on one end, uh, and he had its, uh, this crazy conspiracy the-, the crazy bearded conspiracy theorist. Uh, in Russia on, on, on the other end on the other end mm-hmm. in the studio in Russia and they would like they, they really connected <laughs> they would discuss every single the most ridiculous conspiracy theory about uh, you know the West the globalists uh, you know all the, they, they have so many buzzwords in common like uh, big, the biggest evil in the world is these globalists. Yeah so yeah that's a, and that's the only uh, and that, that's the only instance of uh uh you know an american publication uh uh, uh recycling fake news from russia that i can think of mm. yeah
0: huh well, uh, I really appreciate you uh, spending so much time with me here. We're getting close to an hour, so I wanted to end it on a little more of a fun note. Uh, I've never been to Russia. I'd love to go. Uh, if I were to come to, say, Moscow there, uh, where would you tell me to go? What would you tell me to eat? Where would you want me to see? Um, well, definitely definitely not the Red Square. Uh, <laughs> it's lo- it looks
1: exactly in, uh, the same in real life as it does in postcards. uh uh-huh. But there are a lot of nice places around it, and there's like a. While you still have a chance, uh, do go see some of the historical Moscow uh, around the Red Square. Okay. Um, Some of the places there were, uh, I know, like uh, narrow cobblestone streets uh, built in the uh, early 20th century, and those little. and uh, if you uh, i i wonder if they will they will still be there when you come mm. because oh, moscow wow. moscow is under uh, moscow is undergoing a major uh, and very destructive uh, uh, reconstruction and renovation the so called scheme right now mm. uh, so yeah it's it's uh, it's it's difficult <laughs> oh, wow
0: <laughs> to, okay
1: and there's a the, there's a movement to preserve the historical moscow but it's uh, it's losing rapidly uh, yeah, there's a uh, well. Of course, there's the, there's a viewpoint from uh, uh, from the Sparrow Hills.
0: Mm-hmm. Uh,
1: so you have like the Moscow State University main building behind you, uh, and you're standing on a hill, and you can see uh, most of Central Moscow in front of you. In your uh, several hundred feet, there's there's a uh, there's a high elevation, one of the highest hills in Moscow, and you can see the Central Moscow before you. In good weather, that's a very uh, th- that's really a stunning sight.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Um, now, uh, final question I always ask this uh, of everybody that comes on the show, but what music have you been listening to lately?
1: Okay, let's see. Um, I've been listening to a lot of uh, r- uh, Russian political hip hop.
0: Wow, okay. yeah,
1: that's <laughs> a, that, that's a, a that's a researching genre. Uh, and you have a lot of great uh, bands uh, doing some really uh, biting political commentary. Um, okay. Uh, yes, but I, uh, I'm probably um, that's a that's probably a professional damage. I used to <laughs> I used to listen to a lot of music professionally. I used to go to music festivals and I used to review cities for different magazines. Uh, uh-huh. So at some point I just. Uh, I, uh, I had had so much of uh, really great music uh, that at some point you know, reviewing uh, latest albums just became a major disappointment because nothing's there, Nothing's gonna be as good as my uh, as my first time in the United States when I went to Lollapalooza in Chicago in 2008, and I saw oh, nine, wow. Yeah, and I saw Nine, nine Inch Nails, Radiohead, Rage Against the Machine, and The National live. Wow. Uh, yeah, there's uh, there's very few things that are going uh, going to compare to that experience.
0: Yeah, so, yeah, so. I can imagine.
1: Yeah,
0: for sure. Well, is there anything else I didn't ask you about that you want to get in there before we go here?
1: Uh, well, I think that's it. Uh, we've covered a lot of ground.
0: Yeah, yeah. Well, thank you so much for coming on, and uh, I really appreciate it. And uh, it'll be out tomorrow. And uh, yeah, when our. Uh, to uh, leaders or meeting, I'll, I'll try to get this up before they do. So, <laughs> <laughs> let's see how that goes. <laughs> yeah, let's do. <laughs> All right, well, uh, stay in touch, stay safe, and I hope you uh, everything works out for you professionally.
1: There, so. Okay, okay, Rob. Right. All
0: right, thanks so much. <laughs> If you enjoy this podcast there are several ways to support it i have a patreon account which can be found at www.patreon.com forward slash rob burgess show patreon i hope you'll consider supporting in any amount also please make sure to comment follow like subscribe share rate and review the podcast everywhere it's available which includes itunes youtube soundcloud stitcher google play music facebook twitter internet archive TuneIn, and rss it really helps The official website for the podcast is www.therobburgessshow.com. You can find out more about me by visiting my website, www.thisburgess.com. Until next time.